Hey, listeners, before we get into this new episode, I wanted to let anyone listening who is attending G-Fest this coming weekend know um, that on Friday, July 13th, the first official day of the convention, Matt and I will be hosting a panel uh, for the 60th anniversary of The H-Man. And um, that is Ishiro Honda's 1958 horror film. Uh, We will be talking about the history of the movie, the making of the movie, different versions of the movie. We'll have pictures and a slideshow prepared. Also, we will be having some giveaways. Um, We have some cards as well as some T-shirts we will be giving out at the panel um, and at the convention. So, yeah, uh, if you're there Friday, uh, 2 p.m., the Kennedy Room H-Man panel. Come check us out, say hello, and uh, we will both be there for the entire weekend. So if you see us, feel free to stop and say hi. And yeah, we hope to see you there. Here we are, uh, another edition of the Kaiju Transmissions podcast. I am your host, Kyle Bird, and with me is... Hey, it's Matt Portnoy. Hi, Matt. How are you? <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm really tired. My kid, well, he won't sleep, and then this morning he woke up at like 6, which is normal for some kids. Mine sleeps until like 8.30 most days, so I'm, I'm a zombie. Oh my gosh, that's been life here, too. Like... Go to sleep late, wake up early, you're like, I have to work in, like, two hours. Can you please, for the love of God, just go back <laughs> to sleep? Doesn't doesn't work that way. Yeah, I, I think I got, last night, three hours to sleep, and uh, I came home, and I, I, was, I was really tired. I, I just, I wanted to take a nap, but, like, you know, if you take a nap, it just makes it worse, so that's, that's life. Uh, okay, so um, we have a special guest with us today, um, and that is Chris Olio, who um, I guess most people know is the producer behind the Afukube 100 and Symphonic Fury concerts from several years ago. Uh, Chris, welcome to the podcast. Uh, it's a pleasure. Uh, I've known oh. you for a long time now, and uh, yeah, it's good to finally have you on here. We've been talking about this for a long time, and it's good to be here Be here with you. Oh, thank you guys for having me, man. I appreciate it, and uh, it's good to catch up here, and uh, I look forward to hanging out with you guys in two weeks at G-Fest, too. Yeah, uh, I met Chris in 2011. Oh my god, it's been that long? Holy I moly. <laughs> <laughs> I believe. That was the, the, fr- the first time Higuchi was there. Oh, yeah, that was cool. That yeah. was a lot of fun. 
that was a lot a lot of fun you hosted you you were you hosted his panel too right yes the first year he came in Mm -hmm. yeah Oh, that was ages ago. That's crazy. Um, so, uh, so th- we're we're gonna be bringing up the subject of collecting. Um, Chris is also a dealer at G Fest, so we're gonna kind of also hear about it from that end. Uh, now, I am not part of the collecting world. Um, you know, I stroll through the dealer's room and treat it more like a museum where I just like to look and admire, but I don't have much use for collecting these things. I, A, have nowhere to put them, and B, I don't know, I kind of fell off of that probably in, like, the late 90s. Um, when I was younger, I used to collect all the new Bandai toys and stuff, but I haven't really done that since, yeah, like, two thousand nine nine two thousand. 2000. I mean, I'll pick something up here and there, but... Um, so, Matt, you are more uh, immersed in the world of collecting. So, uh, yeah, so this is going to be uh, largely your your deal here. Um, so, I don't know. I, I know you guys kind of discussed a little bit, but, yeah, I mean, how? where do you guys want to start? Matt, uh, kick us off, I guess. How do you want to set up this episode for people? So, we are going to be talking about... Um G-Fest and purchasing stuff from a couple different angles. One is what people can expect when they go to the dealer's room because it's... I, I went for the first time last year and it's uh, it's crazy. It's, it's madness. And the other thing is I really want to hear what it's like being a dealer because I don't think we really hear much about what it's like, all the work that goes into setting things up. And so I think we're going to start there. So Chris, can you tell us kind of how you got, um, how you became a dealer, what led you to do that? Um, And then maybe take it through like how the the setup process is once you actually become a dealer. Sure. Um, It's kind of very kind of, I I got into dealing uh, kind of in a weird uh, way because um, I was always a big collector and I still am. And, you know, it's funny, the first few G-Fest you go, you know, you, you go home with your friends to the dealer's room, and it's like, oh, man, it's, it's great. And I remember a few years ago, right when I started getting into the dealing aspect of it, one of my good buddies, Kenny Napper, turned to me, and he's like, who would have thought, like, several years ago, we would have said, hey, now we're behind a table in the dealer's room, we're dealing toys. Like, it's just, it's just a weird kind of happenstance of a situation. So, um, you know, I, I've been involved doing some things with G-Fest uh, for a long time, and I encourage anybody that is interested in, in Godzilla and, and Kaiju uh, that goes to G-Fest to, to get involved, volunteer somewhere. Uh, that's kind of how I started, you know, volunteer registration, volunteer helping out. Um, and, you know, from there, you know, I got into panels and sessions, and then, you know, again, with the uh, both the concert projects, which were uh, uh, very much passion projects, um, you know, we do that and, and a kind of getting into the dealers aspect of it came from the concerts. Um, again, you know, it's a ni- you know, concerts were expensive, so <laughs> it's a nice way to, uh, to pay, uh, pay off the, the bills that are unfortunately still there. And, um, you know, for me as a dealer, uh, it's, it's fun because, because I'm into this stuff because I collect this stuff. It's kind of the thrill of the hunt. So you have this opportunity and it doesn't always work this way, but you have this opportunity to, to buy things. And to say, okay, I've acquired these items. It'll be great for, for, for the GPS, for the dealer's room. There's always that time you buy those things. You buy a lot or you buy a collection. You're like, well, I'm going to keep that. And I don't want to sell that. And I don't want to sell that. But you, you have to discipline yourself to say, okay, you know, you know, here and there, it's fine, you know, if, if you acquire things. But, you know, getting involved with, with the toys, it's, it's, it's a fun experience. But it is 
uh, it is a mountain of work because it is not as simple as, okay, let's throw a bunch of figures in a box and here we go. Um, it depends. And again, it depends. I don't know some of it, how other dealers work, but I would imagine uh, a good majority of us are fairly well organized, um, are on top of our inventory and, uh, you know, want to have a, an account for what's coming in. And then, you know, at the end of the weekend and the days after Jeep is okay, what's sold? Um, I know I do that. So it's, it's, a, it's a, it's an arduous process. It's, it takes a long time. Uh, it's, it's many months of not only researching stuff, um, buying merchandise, sometimes buying merchandise, sitting on it for a while, and then bringing it in to sell it. Um, again, I do other shows aside from G-Fest, but there are certain things that you just know, okay, at a G-Fest, you know, you don't have to explain, you know, what's a Marmot or, you know, what an X-Plus is. You can just kind of have it out there and people know what it is. And uh, there's a little more of that fami- familiarity with it. Um, so you, you have to like when you do you purchase stuff all year to like you know with the intention of hey we need inventory for G Fest so how early in the year like right after G Fest G Fest ends in July so are you having to purchase stuff as early as like you know August to be able to prepare for the next year? Oh, absolutely. Um, it's it's an all year round process because um, a lot of times with with this merchandise getting it from Japan again if you if there is someone that you have over there whether it's a hookup or a supplier that's great. And that's one thing. And you get certain things offered, but if you're finding somebody is say liquidating a collection, um, you know, you have to just jump on it and, and, and go from there. You know, if you're winning an auction, it's the same way, you know, whether you're on an American site or a Japanese site looking for these things, you don't know what comes down through the pike. And and again, sometimes with these items, you can say, okay, I want to get it. But what if you don't win the auction? Then it's like, all right, better luck next time. So it's a constant search. Uh, I try to look at it from the perspective of, of a collector, as myself and saying, okay, you know, it's kind of that thrill of the hunt in a sense. So, you know, you're able to, and I can kind of live vicariously through certain things, like things that I personally wouldn't need in the collection, but I know, okay, this is a popular item. People are into these things. You know, you can kind of look and, and, and hunt for those different items there, but it, it is, I mean, last year, I don't think it was two weeks home and I wound up uh, getting a collection and buying it uh, locally here. And it's just like, you just kind of keep keep rolling with the punches with it. Bandai is arguably the most popular in terms of how long it's been. And it's been in the collector consciousness. Um, you know, we're in the early days of G fest. It was Bandai. That was, that was the thing. Even when I was a kid, you know, and I know, uh, you guys probably have had the same experience, you know, going to your first shows and like buying those Bandai. That was like, that was the prime thing you had to get. So, you know, it has changed and, and tastes have changed, but it's, the plethora and the amount of stuff that's out there is pretty incredible. And, and even for me as a dealer doing this for the last, you know, say uh, three or four years, you're still finding new things. You're still seeing things you've never heard or seen about. And, you know, sometimes you, I even have to call people that I know they're also dealing, like, do you, know, do you know what this is? You know, sometimes you find just like a really rare thing or you might get a collection. And I'm like, what the heck is this toy? I've never seen it before. So you know, it's it's cool to to research these things, um, and just I think it's a it's a fascinating hobby. You know, so you get there. So the show starts obviously Friday, um, and you set up most of the day on Thursday. Is that correct? Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, David Nunez, who's the man that runs the dealers room, does an absolutely fantastic job throughout the year organizing everybody, all the dealers. You know, 
putting out any fires, you know, with setting up and with times. And, you know, he's, he's really a, a great instrument and he's a great resource. And, uh, definitely he's, he's awesome and he's great at communicating stuff. So we got the information, uh, just like two, three days ago, I think that we're able to get into the dealer's room on Thursday to set up in the ballrooms earlier than usual, much more earlier, which to me is a big help. Cause then, then you're not there all day and you, know, you can, you can kind of enjoy G Fest because again, it is, it is the one time of year we all can see each other. We all can hang out. And, and then there's that family uh, kind of connection and, and kind of reunion aspect. So, you know, I'm like, all right, you know, I can set up the bulk of it on Thursday and then Friday, you know, just kind of make it look pretty and make it look presentable for, for when it uh, opens the doors. So, yeah, I'll be helping out uh, at one of the tables this year. And, uh, you know, looking at the, the guy that I'm helping out, um, Gary Harmon, he, his stuff, he's got these massive racks with T-shirts and I cannot even fathom um, the amount of work that it takes to set all that stuff up. Do you have any advice for people that are checking out the show for the first time? I mean, I have a couple ideas myself, but if you were if you were talking to somebody who's never been to G-Fest, they're coming in looking for figures and toys and things, what do you think they should be on the lookout for? What can they expect? And maybe what, what tips can you give them? Oh, sure. I, I think if they're coming to the show for the first time, um, definitely do a little bit of reading about the show prior. Uh, G-Fan website is, is a great tool for that. Um, JD, I believe, usually runs a panel for like first-time attendees, kind of what to expect and lay the land, because I think for anybody that is really into the stuff and that comes to the show for the first time, it's an overwhelming experience, but, but, but in a good sense. It's, it's system overload, but the best kind. What to expect? Um, anything and everything. Uh, there is something for absolutely everybody at this convention. Um, I know people that have gone that are not fans and that have just gone, whether they're a significant other with somebody or, you know, they're just, you know, with the family and even they can have a good time. Uh, th it's a very different vibe from uh, most of the larger conventions. And GFS is, is fairly, fairly large. Um, and I think that's a kudos to, to the GFS team that uh, sets that up and, and sets the tone. Um, in terms of what they can expect to buy, I mean, it is, for me, it is as close to going to Japan and going to, say, a Mandarake or Akihabara or any place where you're going to find tons and tons of toys, it is as close as you can possibly get without flying overseas. So uh, it's it's a wonderful thing because there's such a variety um, of collecting. It depends on your taste. It depends on also your budget. Um, but you can find just about anything in the dealer's room from the obscure to the really rare to the fun. Yeah, so you, you kind of mentioned uh, having a want list. One thing I will say is, if you see a, if you, if you know there's something that you want and, and you see it at a table, and it's close to the price that you have in your mind, even if it's you know a few dollars off, I encourage people to go ahead and buy it. I say that because stuff isn't going to be there. You know, if if it's a a rare figure, if it's something like, I mean, I missed out on the Monster Attack team because I'm like, oh, I'll come back around and pick this up but later. And of course, I went back around and Bird remembers this. I, it was gone. It was sold out. So. If, if you see something that you want, you should probably move on it pretty early on because by the by the last day, it's like a lot of the more sought-after items, they're all gone. At least that, that's what it seemed like last year. Absolutely. I mean, I know from my experience, you know, I, I my dad did that in my first two conventions. He was like, if you see it, you like it, buy it. You know, and, it, and that's true because there are times you'll miss out on something and it could take you years to find that item again and you may be paying more so uh you know it is it is a good thing to kind of pounce earlier on you know but you know make make your decisions you know i, I would say always go in with somewhat of a game plan and then you know if you see stuff just pick it up from there so in a transition a bit 
um, and, and just kind of talk about collecting and, and so forth. Um, what what got you into collecting, Chris? How did it how did it start? And do you have anything that you you try to focus on now with your collection? Sure. Um, it all started uh, KB Toys when I was a kid. I you know you like dinosaurs, and you know I, I remember one of my earliest memories is seeing probably three or four. I was flipping channels, and I think it was Channel Nine, and they had King Kong versus Godzilla, and it was just like. It's, it's it's like the moment that like stands out in my head. It's like that first time I think I ever remember seeing a non animated movie. So it just it kind of fascinated me. And I remember being in KB Toys. I was probably five or six, and I found an Imperial Godzilla, and my dad bought it for me. And uh, then I got my first VHS. I got a, you know I got a copy of King Kong versus Godzilla, and I've never been the same since. So it's um <clears throat> you know it's it's funny because you you start in different levels. Um, for me, I, I had this this awesome tendency as a kid. Uh, thanks to my cousins Lynn and Vinny, they would uh, they would have friends in, in these shops that ran some of these local uh, you know kaiju and comic shops and stuff like that. And you know, for Christmas, my birthday, I would get a Bandai toy, and it was just like, oh my god, this is not a Toys R Us, and like your your mind was blown. Um, so you know, as as I got older, I got more into the collecting aspect, and then you know, from there, you kind of get into other other things. And I mean, I, again, first and foremost, I've always been a Bandai guy, but I have very much transitioned in the last few years to um, getting into other items, uh, you know, whether they're collecting model kits, which I, I'm trying to get a little more schooled into, you know, getting into them and building them. But, I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a learner. I haven't touched them in years. So um, and then X Plus, I, I've kind of drank the Kool-Aid pretty early on. And uh, I, it's, it's it's changed the way I collected. Um it's made me very uh, selective, but it's also, you know, made me say, okay. And again, love X plus just, they come out real quick and you got to pounce on them sometimes <laughs> when you're getting them. And it's just like, sometimes it's like, Oh God, X plus, please just stop. Just like, <laughs> give me like two months. Don't announce like three titles at once. Just only announce like one figure you're doing. But again, I love what they do. I, I think, uh, I think them and, and, and some of these other companies have really created a real Renaissance. Uh, and I think a lot of this is, you know, again, you know, Godzilla is more pop culture oriented. I think, you know, the legendary film helped that, you know, regardless of, of my opinion about the film. Um, I think it's definitely helped the popularity of the character Shin Godzilla the same way. And, you know, again, you know, uh, I've kind of gotten to a little bit of like the Sofa B stuff in the last few years, you know, kind of, again, dealing with the stuff as a dealer. You know, I was never interested in it as a kid, but, you know, then you kind of look at it and you're like, wow, the, the molds. And again, just. You know, people like M1 and Marmot just they, they they this is handcrafted stuff in in, in so many ways and, and, and it you know it's it's made by somebody. It's not mass produced sometimes. These things are painted and, you know, they're painted with a, a team of people. But um, you know, just kind of getting into like the different color variations or whether it's a glowy figure, you know. And with a lot of those I I've, I tend to collect the ones that kind of just speak to me and I find that it kind of my collections come to the point where I'm like, all right, I kinda have what I want. Now I can just kind of keep up with like the new stuff, whether it's an X plus, but like there's always that really exciting thing for me, even just as a dealer, you know, I could walk somewhere in the dealer's room and, um, you know, again, I, I, you know, just because I'm a dealer doesn't mean I won't buy from other dealers. I, I, I believe that, you know, you give it back, you know what I mean? And, and you, and you pay it forward. So, you know, I'll find something that's like, you know, it's totally like weird out of the blue and just something that's really unique. And I'm like, you know, I'll pick this up. And I find those are like some of my more favorite purchase in the last few years. It's just like that item that just kind of just spoke to you. Yeah, one thing about G Fest that I like um, is it's not it's not limited to toys. I mean, toys is are the main attraction in terms of the dealers' room, but there, there's people that have 
posters and books and there's people that sell movies and, and different. So you can basically find, you know, all the stuff that a lot of people bid on, you know, at eBay. Well, the same people that have some of those auctions going are going to be live in the flesh at the G-Fest table. And you're going to have a lot more variety and stuff that honestly you don't really see except for at this one time of year. Um, you can do a lot of shopping, you know, as you mentioned, Mandarake or, you know, Yahoo Japan as an example. But G-Fest is kind of like you get to see the things in person, in the flesh. You know, M1's going to be there this year, which, you know, they're a manufacturer of Godzilla figures. They were there last year and did really well. So it's really nice to be able to have that that particular experience uh, firsthand. Absolutely. I do have a question, Chris. Have you, have you seen a lot of vintage stuff? That's the one thing I did not see much of and i know that's because obviously they are vintage they are rare but i don't know if anybody really uh had vintage toys last year for sale or not maybe, maybe they did maybe they got snagged up in the first five minutes i don't know i mean i guess a few. well yeah what's your definition of vintage because i mean for us i mean now like the first run of bandai gmk figures is vintage now you know so <laughs> no, you're right <laughs> I, I agree with you um you know, again, I think when I think of vintage, I think of like bull marks or like stuff yeah, from the eighties yeah. and seventies. But we're, but yeah, we're getting old. Like, uh, if you type in Godzilla on eBay, do you know how much like stuff from the ninety eight movie comes up with the word vintage next to it? That was twenty years. Oh ago. my god, I know. I, I see those things. And <laughs> it's it's kind of a little scary when I think yeah. of it. I'm like, oh, so god. on that level, yeah, f- there is a lot. But yeah, like Chris was saying, if you're looking at s- like anything from the sixties, seventies. Maybe even eighties. I yeah. I think that I don't know. I there's some stuff, but the that I feel like I always see, but I don't think there's a whole lot. You know, I think sadly um, the market for it, and again, this this maybe this is just my observation, um, but th- the market has has, has changed. Uh, the the audience has changed, and people are not looking for vintage like they used to with the bull marks and, and stuff like that, or poppy figures. You know, and and it's become much more niche. Um, and again, there are a few uh, dealer friends of mine that that do do have them. Um, you can ask for them; they'll they'll usually be somewhere high. <laughs> they're they're usually like uh, you know more of this. Uh, they're expensive, but I think that there's a really amazing history behind it. You know, I, I think there's certain vintage figures that everybody looks for. You know, the figures that were in you know Godzilla versus the Smog Monster, for example. Mm-hmm. People always kind of want to get something like that. The, those bull marks, but there's so many other pieces. Um, and again. I feel like, you know, there's there's a constantly you're seeing something new popping up, you know, whether it's uh, newer vintage. That's like, you know, again, there's so many companies now, uh, again, with the popularity of Godzilla that have, have licensed now for Godzilla. And it's 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 pretty incredible to think just how much like there's, there's something for everybody, you know, that brings up a good point, though, because. I never really thought of it, but yeah, I feel like there's more demand for the new whatever than there is, you know, the old thing. I feel like, like, so when it comes to, I don't know, maybe you can speak to this. When it comes to, if you have an old item and it comes to pricing it, I mean, at what point are you pricing it so high no one's going to buy it? You know, because everyone would rather get the new X plus or something than an old bull mark or something. I mean, the biggest thing is um, when pricing any item, you have to say, okay, you know, number one, again, this is something I, I think a lot of people uh, may not understand. Getting a lot of this stuff and acquiring it, especially outside of, of the United States or North America, 
it can be very challenging. It can be very difficult um, to ship it from Japan, get it from certain places. So you always have to say, okay, you know, it's not just a matter of, okay, I bought that figure for $20. Well, that figure now with shipping, add another $20. Now that's $40. So, you know, that's just an example. But to price it out, you have to always say, okay, what did it cost with the shipping? And then figure out, again, within the range, what it goes for, you know, because you, you have to you have to price it accordingly. I mean, I, I, I don't believe in, in gouging, gouging, but you do have to say, okay, at the end of the day, you know, you do have to make a profit on it because uh, a lot of these, I think for all of us dealers, you know, this is a side business. So, you have to you have to price it accordingly to to the to the general public. Um, and again, sometimes you know people don't understand why something is is expensive, and it's expensive because it's rare, and it's expensive because it's you know can be a real pain in the rear end to get it over, you know, and and to acquire it. So uh, that's that's something that's always to to consider too. Um, but you always have to say, okay, you know, there are certain figures. For example, maybe three years ago wouldn't have been so bad, but because circulation has gone down popularity has gone up boom it could be like a lot more expensive people are like i just saw that like isn't that new it's like it could be even like even some bandai's from years ago it's like well it could be new but it's it's kind of worth a little bit of money now you know because of you know maybe they didn't make a lot of it now and i think there's a tendency i don't quite know the statistics on quantities lately with a lot of the companies but um i think that there's less circulation um i know i can speak on behalf of that with uh, some of the new x plus stuff i know People that that have diamond accounts uh, and and that sell the new X pluses, they aren't doing as many as they used to. So uh, again, uh, demand might be high, but circulation is low. Yeah, one that comes to mind is like the the marmot burning Godzillas. I mean, those things. If you try to buy them online right now, they can the auctions they go up to you know four and five grand. It's astronomical. Whereas, oh yeah, is that the one with the messed up paint scheme? Uh, yeah, that's like the one that's black that's with out. the right, yeah. yellow. The yeah. one that looks like someone just sprayed yellow mustard all over it. Is it that? Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's a, probably a pretty accurate description of it. Um, and again, what's the, the sad thing with with eBay sometimes? Again, you do have those people that are just like, I mean, I see them and it's like, what are you doing, man? It's like, like they're so astronomically high. And again. Sometimes people think someone will pay for it, but I sincerely doubt people have several thousand dollars to throw at a certain figure, unless it's like a really, really, really rare piece. Um, but you know, people do stuff like that, man, and 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 it's it, it is unfortunate online. I don't think it's any, but I think those are more just individuals that you know they're scalpers. But they're you know I don't think that the people like that the the dealers that you'd see in the dealers room are all all professional, and that they will all they will all price their items accordingly. I'm laughing as we're talking about this because somebody had re- literally, as we're talking, has posted a X Plus Godzilla 73 with two heads. Which, by the way, that's that's a, the Rick. Uh, special. It's only it's not even a year old, too. Um, what are they going for? Uh, they have they won a thousand dollars. I'm like, that's not. <laughs> Holy moly! You know? Wait, why does he have two heads? Uh, so uh, it, the, yeah, yeah, it's the it's the uh, they have. Uh, arms and heads that you can basically switch out. Oh, I thought it. you meant like he had two heads. Like, oh yeah, sorry. <laughs> I, I probably didn't articulate that very well. He's got he's got uh, interchangeable arms and heads. Okay. And looking at this figure, uh, I mean, maybe somebody will pay for it. But a thousand bucks—that's like that's a that's lot of money. gigantic money right there. And it's true too. I mean, you scale is also a thing too. And again, uh, another example—you brought up a good point with like gigantic series big figures like that 
getting those things over is is incredibly expensive. Yeah, it's and, like 250, 200 bucks sometimes to, to ship just to your house. Yeah, it's it could be crazy. Um, and again, with with shipping rates that have gone higher over the last few years, you know, it 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 is it is a challenge. I'll tell you that much. You know, I mean, I I've never had to ship those things, but I, I've ordered them just for myself, and you know, it's it's a, you pay a little bit of shipping, but you know, again, if you want the item enough, and if you have the money, you know, go for it. You know. Yeah, I was going to say, I think last year, not yet last year, a couple of years ago, I, I purchased a few Gigantics and, and shipping, you know, to my doorstep from Japan was 100, 250. And if I shipped it to someone else, you know, I actually sold uh, a couple of Gigantics and I think shipping domestically in the U.S., if it was a lower 48, um, you know, it cost around 50 to 60 bucks. And you got to imagine if someone's shipping all their items to G-Fest. I mean, there's there's costs that you have to factor in. I'm not sure people are, are quite aware of that. Right, and insurance, you know, with shipping any item. I, I And whenever I've someone has bought something from me and I've shipped it, I I, I firmly believe in, in getting insurance for the figure, because you never know. You never know. Yeah, there's quite a few horror stories out there about people, you know, they, they purchase an item, item gets lost or damaged. I had a guitar um, that actually the, the shipper luckily had got insurance for but when it was shipped the, the the binding on the back of the guitar basically came loose and uh got a full refund out of it but that's only because he had in, you know i had to file a claim and then he had to you know file a claim and we had to get uh, it was actually through fedex so that kind of stuff does happen and that was a, it was like an 800 dollars guitar so it was kind of a mid-level guitar and that's the kind of money some of these figures go for so i totally understand that the, the aspect of getting insurance looking forward to g fest this year um my uh, my son's asked for a couple figures that I'll be cool. looking for. So we got some. I, I typically try to get him the the Bandai stuff because he's gonna play with it and ding them up. And I um I got a couple. I, I got the Gamera and Gauss Marmot uh, about a year and a half ago. And uh, one of the things that I know about my son is obviously he's gonna play with them. He's already broken the head on it, so that was kind of <laughs> me being an idiot, I think. But um, when you when you purchase something. Is there a specific theme that you have? Like, are you like I'm only going to collect Marmon? I'm going to collect X Plus, or is it? You kind of mentioned this earlier. You kind of buy what appeals to you. What kinds of things appeal to you at this point? You're collecting. You know, um, sometimes lately it's it's the obscure. Um, a lot of times it's it's what's kind of trendy. Again, you know, you try to with this with this market, you anticipate. Okay, what is going to be a popular item? You know. What's going to be something people are going to want? What's something that's going to be maybe rare? And again, sometimes you gamble, right? Sometimes you don't. You know, um, it just it's the luck of the draw. And the thing, another challenge that I think a lot of dealers face, I know myself, you have to buy these things outright in very much a long, a long very far in advance. Um, and again, you can say, okay, I want to bring these into G Fest. Well, they might come out in January, and you're sitting on these things, and you've paid several hundred dollars to hold items that are, you know going to be on for till july so it's it's a lot of a lot of factors to think about um for me i i I try to i I try to buy with again you you buy personal with what you can get um what's what you have access to um but you also have to say okay i mean i i think that i i try to buy with a variety saying okay you know you try to have a little bit of everybody you you try to Get your bases covered. You you get your bandages. You get your marmots. You you know your your, your X pluses. Your monster arts. You know um, your vinyl war figures. You know your model kits. You know try try to buy something for everybody because even and again silly things like I, I bought 
you know, I, uh, Becca Godzilla chopsticks this year. So I was like, all right, you know, it's just something that I was like, let me, let me just buy and I'll put it on the table, but you know, try to find different things, you know, whether they're even like an Ultraman coloring book, you know, just something that's, that's maybe a little different outside the box, because again, you will see, uh, you know, from toddler to the older per- individual, you know, uh, it, that comes to your table. So you, you really have to have something for everybody to fit all kinds of needs. You have to have kid toys, uh, but you have to have high-end stuff too. So, you know, because again, you don't know what customers you're going to get and you got to be prepared for it. So uh, my, my personal collection right now, I've kind of made essentially a little rule. Um, I essentially collect my top four Godzilla films. I, I used to have... You had a nice collection, man. I, I remember seeing pictures with the with the X pluses and everything, but they were good. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I've sold probably about half, um, and I've kind of pared down and scaled back. And I have a little Godzilla wall, so I have a couple posters. I have um, posters signed by Godzilla suit actors. I have an Ishikawa poster, which came with this book that he signed when I was at uh, Fandom Fest. And then I have some art on my wall from from Ishikawa that he actually um, drew when I was when I was at Fandom Fest too, which is pretty neat. But then as far as toys go. I tried to like. I started with Monster Arts and kind of realized they're too fragile for me. So I ended up kind of getting into the X plots. I like the realism look, and then suddenly I find myself really attracted to like marmots and the paint schemes and the M ones and just kind of how they capture the essence of the suit. And so now I'm trying to limit myself to like top four Godzilla films and kind of my my top three or four Ultraman things. So I got you know I'm I'm on I'm on the hunt for like a Gomera and a um jamila and um you know for me i, I really like the appeal of the, the realism of the x plus but there's something about the marmots and the color schemes and the way that they're painted that uh, they stand out when you place them next to an x plus and so like you know giga brains the same way and so now i kind of have like godzilla vs bailante terra mecha godzilla um the original godzilla film those are the ones that i kind of purchase things for and I, I used to have the entire destroy all monsters lineup for for x plus which costs you know a mint and i am getting rid of it just because it just it, it didn't seem to took up too much space for one and then um i wanted to kind of pare down where it was how do you make a decision for what you keep and what you sell i mean for your own collection you know i try to have a rule um and uh, you know i'll be coming up to that in the next few days um i i i've kind of I went a little overboard the last few years, you know, collecting just for myself. But again, I, as with any hobby, I think if it makes you happy at the end of the day, you know, go for it. And what, what harm is it? But, you know, there, there always is that, like you said, there's the space issue. And I try to say, okay, before G-Fest every year, let me go through, you know, boxes of things of my own personal collection. Say, okay, what can I get rid of? What, what don't I realistically need? And I always try to pick out at least five or six items and say, you know what? It's okay. I think I can let this go, you know? I mean, obviously, I won't get rid of, like, new stuff I'm collecting, like, with the X Pluses and stuff like that. But, you know, or if I have a double of something, it's like, what am I holding on to this for? Let me just, let me sell it, you know? So you do have to make a little bit of room, and sometimes you have to make those sacrifices. But, you know, um, it, it's, it's, it can be a little bit, well, like I said, it could be a little more challenging as a dealer because you do find things, and you're like, ooh, I got it. that's a really good price, you know? But you have to say at the end of the day, okay. You know, you have the table for a reason, you know, um, and sometimes you've got to say, you know what, I might want that, but it's okay. Maybe somebody else would want that instead. I think the best advice if you're trying to pare down your collection or whatever is get rid of things you like and replace it with things you love. 
That's a good idea. That's a great, you know, great yeah. analogy for it. Yeah. Like stuff that's like, oh, this is good. This is okay. I mean, get rid of that stuff. And especially Absolutely. if you're trying to save space, which has got to be one of the most difficult things about it. Tails and wings are always the hard part, you know? Yeah. Yeah, there's a couple. Like, my burning Godzilla is almost three feet long, and so he kind of sits on... We have a little bar in our basement, and he kind of sits at the, uh, the end of one of the bars, but, I, you know, I couldn't really put him anywhere, uh, put him anywhere else. And at the same point, you know, like, for me, um, I have a wife and a kiddo, and I also have to be cognizant of not putting things too low because he's four, and he will come downstairs and he will grab a figure and he will break them, which he's done. Uh, he, he broke the horn off my X plus Megalon. Um, you know what I mean? And, and it's not, you know, I, I expect my, my son to do those things. Cause you know, when you're a kid, you don't, you don't really understand, but no, I have to be it's, aware. It's easy. You can fix those. Uh, though. You know, those can be, fixed, well, yeah, I, glued it, I glued it right back and it, it wasn't, it wasn't a big deal. Um, but you know, it's, it's those kinds of things. And also how do you display stuff tastefully, right? Instead of having just this corner of the room that looks very unorganized, is there a way to like, you know, I talked to my wife about this. I'm like, listen, I, I don't really see space and decoration. That's not, I, I, I can't do it. So can you help me kind of organize how this stuff looks and where it should go? And I, and I asked her that because like, for me, I want it to look not really, you know, I, I want to avoid look, it looking tacky basically. No, absolutely. And sometimes you need that objective eye too, that someone will say, okay, you know, you're setting it up one way, but like, Hey, I think this is a better way to do it. You know, is there anything well, that you guys are looking f- for, uh when you go in this year there's definitely um like i i i don't have like i used to where it's like okay i really want to get this 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 and i try to say okay like what's like five things like if i get this i'll be so happy and you know last few years i haven't bought a heck of a lot but you know i'll always say like listen like for this year if i can find you know an x plus that's older that i missed out on you know i'd love to get that um uh, certainly some M1 stuff would be cool to get, or, you know, just a gap in my collection, or maybe there's a Bandai I don't have, or, or just something that I just see that I'm like, oh, it's kind of cool, it's interesting, you know? Just something that's that's kind of odd and just unique. So, I mean, definitely there's there's like four or five items that I'm like, if I can get that, I'll, I'll, I'll be happy. There's, you know, you always got to have those things. I think for anybody that's into this stuff, you know, uh, again, whether you're shopping for the newest Bandai, or you want a vintage VHS tape. You know, you always got to find stuff that, that fits your collection. And, uh, you know, look around for it, because you, you just might find it. I do have a list of stuff. I, my, my son has requested uh, Mothra and Bachelor Larva. For, mm-hmm. So he wants both of those, um, which I'll probably bring them back as just like a souvenir. And then, for myself, I, I kind of have my eye on the Band Presto released a they actually released three different variants, but uh, Godzilla 89, which would scale pretty well with my 25-centimeter Biollante that I have for X+. Oh, that's a nice, it's a nice figure. Which one are you looking for? There's, um, like, the watered version. There's uh, many different paint variations on it. Yeah, there's just, like, a normal paint scheme. They also have, like, the, the monochrome. I think I just want, and then they have the um, one with the, the light-up fins. They're not really light-up, but they're painted like his, his fins are glowing. So yeah, yeah. I think I just want the, the regular version is kind of what I, what I think I'm looking for at this point. Cause the 25 centimeter X plus figure is not, it's not my favorite. So I actually sold that. I had the, the Rick boy version, which has the, the Bailante like tendrils coming out of the ground. But I, I got rid of that a while back just because I hated, I, I just, I didn't love the sculpt. And that actually goes back to a great point that Kyle made, you know, buy stuff that, 
that that you love and and that was one that i could do without so i ended up getting rid of it but i want something to fill that void of the 89 to, to go with the this massive hunk of vinyl that i have on my shelf and um so that's one thing i'm looking for and i think um there's a couple x plus figures that the the sakai 91 godzilla that i used to have that so it kind of regret it have that itch to get it back but we'll see i mean if i can find it for a reasonable price and i have some budget left over after buying some other stuff i, I might pull the trigger what's cool. a rick like so go for it i was gonna say that they're basically um the rick feature for next plus figure is like you, you pay additional for it so for example the x plus gigantic 1995 the rick edition um, there's been a couple of them, but the one that I have comes with a little oxygen destroyer uh, trinket, okay, and in the in the in a base that says Godzilla versus. Does destroyer. that stand for something or what? Um, so um, the website for Rick is right the store, you know. Oh, that's, okay. It's, it's Japanese. It's like a abbreviation for it. Okay. Yeah. So if someone says I'm buying the the, the Rick edition, it's basically the the special edition edition of the toy that always has like an additional feature. So some of them have like light ups. Some of them um, have like additional mini figures that come with them, um, or like so different just, limbs. Sometimes it, it depends. There's there's so many different things to do. And again, I think with any like you got to get the. I like the ricks to come with the extra stuff. You know, I'm not too big into light ups. I don't know, uh, Matt, were you always more of a light up person or light ups? They they always. I've, I've had a couple and they've they've always had issues. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, I yeah, I mean, I'm. I don't really ever go in looking for anything specific. I'm kind of, you know, I think there's kind of two kinds of fans. As you get older, you get into the collecting side, or you get more into the actual filmmaking, or both. I kind of went into you know learning about how movies are made, and you know, so my big thing is books. So I look for anything that has like behind the scenes photos or rare information um and then uh uh yeah any and then also anything that's just kind of weird or obscure or just kind of strange like uh you know i might like chris you you said uh godzilla chopsticks like that's the perfect example of something i would just buy you know like i i like things like that like uh, i just you know i'm not too into the toy collecting i haven't bought a figure in a long time um I think the last few I bought were ones that, like, in when I was, like, 16 or so, that's when I kind of, like, was becoming more disconnected. So I sold off, like, most of my Bandai collection, which now is an older uh, person I, I kind of regret because um, I'm, like, stupid sentimental about things. So like I'm like I'm I'm that person that like someone will be like hey this just happened like I there's an old beat up electrical fan that I have in my apartment and it's like the same fan that I had since I was a kid in my bedroom and like it doesn't even have the front frame it like bar- the engine the motor barely works and my girlfriend's like I bought you a new fan do we still need this one I'm like no like you know, you don't understand <laughs> what me and this fan have been through. Like, that's me. So the last few figures I got were, like, ones where I was, like, like trying to buy back the things that I sold. And, like, uh, I don't know, I bought, I rebought like, the Bandai Gorosaurus and Baby Godzilla and stuff. But then I was like, you know what? 
this isn't the same. You know, these aren't. This is not the figure I got for Christmas in sixth grade or whatever. So I kind of dropped that. Um, when did uh, you bring up a good point? I mean, I think for any uh, figure, you can kind of remember. Okay, you know, we're we're so crazy about this stuff and we love it, and you remember where you got it, how you got it. You know, it's just every figure kind of tells a story about you know your road as a fan in a sense in this, in this yeah, genre. Exactly. So so yeah, I, I kind of made a few like vain attempts to uh, re-buy my childhood, but it, you know, I was like, you know, it's just not the same. Although I do still have like some of the some of them I, I never got rid of, and those you know I still hang on to. And um, yeah, uh, for me, I, I don't know what what really killed because I was like a dedicated Bandai buyer in the '90s. I don't know what exactly killed that. I don't know if it was just growing up, the idea of toys kind of lost its luster, but I feel like the Bandai figures themselves kind of got a little bit, um, like, once they became, like, squishy and soft, like, remember the early, early ones? Yeah, like, the they, hard plastic. Yeah, and, and they seemed a little bit more detailed. Um, maybe that's just me, but, yeah, I feel like they lost a little bit of something and then they all started scaling them down to what six inches or whatever and yeah, they just and didn't seem as cool after that and i think that probably had a part in why you know they just kind of fell off my radar you know once I they know became, it was a big slump for a while yeah. too i mean i mean after final wars we didn't get anything for a long time I mean, minus maybe a hedron jet jaguar that came out like a year or two yeah. later but for a long time and now bandai is sort of making pseudo a comeback it seemed you know with bandai premium and then you have you know just new figures that are coming out Sometimes they're reissues, but, you know, we got a Biolante this year, and that was yeah. cool. I think that was a pretty neat sculpt. The, the last new release figures I got was probably Final Wars. You know, I liked that they were bigger again, and I think I got the, yeah. I got the Godzilla and the, the Gigan. Um, but, yeah, if, if there's anything I've seen lately that I would consider buying, it might be those, I don't know what you call them, the, 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 the Gargantuas that they put out. Oh, the premium ones. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're great. They yeah, I like really those great. a lot. I'm not too into the Frankenstein one that they they did. That one was okay. Who was it? Someone put. I think it might have been X Plus put one out, yeah, and I was they, like, weirdly enough, the Bandai kind of looks better to me. Well, it's funny because the new Gargantua was just shipped. I got mine on Monday last week, I, and it's kind of it's a sign of it's a sign of old age when you're like you're so busy and you get a box and you don't even have time to actually look through it. You're just like, okay, I got stuff to do. But yeah, they, they've just came out, they've been shipping and accidentally, coincidentally, X plus is Frankenstein is shipping in a few weeks, I believe. So, okay. Yeah. I like those. And I, maybe it's part, maybe part of it is because like when I was a kid and I was collecting like every Bandai, everything, like there's certain monsters where you're like, why won't they just make these? And yeah, mm. the gargantuas were always like right up there on that list for me. Yep, and that's the thing that I think is interesting too. I, as a collector, I, you know, I I've been more interested. Like when X Plus puts out like a new monster that's not Godzilla, I'm usually much more excited. And again, I love Godzilla, but like sometimes you want the Varan, you want the Manda, you want you may even want the Minya. It doesn't well, matter, but yeah, like just for, getting like getting that obscure creature sometimes is really cool. Yeah, for know? me, like that's also why I don't really have a whole lot of them. But um, the little. Uh, they do the little blind grab candy figures. Is it? It used yeah. to be. It was it Ishikawa. It's cast now. I think so. Yeah. But yeah, they'll do like little H Man or something like that. Like 
to me, that's what's cool. Like the stuff that's not represented very much, or they they'll do like the vampires from the Bloodthirsty trilogy and tiny little figures. Like, oh yeah, I think the thing too, there's certain characters that they just still won't cover a lot of, but like there's a little bit of a trend I think now to to open the door for things like that. So you know, hopefully they they make the mo- like the monsters that we never had. You know, it's like oh man. If, I, I, with a level of detail and sophistication, a lot of these figures have gotten to now. It's like you had told me as a kid, you're going to have all these figures one day. I would have been like, oh, no, I'll never get all those. And it's like now we're at that point, you know, and, and it's become accessible, you know, with, you know, I'm, again, with the Internet and, and with conventions. So it's uh, it's pretty cool. Chris, where are you at with uh, getting figures autographed? Yeah, I mean, like, do you care? Mm, do you do it? Well, it's. It's kind of it's a double edged sword because I, I've gotten figures. I have gotten figures autographed, but like there's certain things like instinctively, it's like if it was an expensive piece, I'm always like it's it's like kind of like the argument of getting like a poster autographed. You know, it's does it decrease the value? Does it increase the value? You know, does it does it bother you as a collector having it? You know, it's great having it, but I, I I've gotten a few. I've I've bought in some I've double dipped on some bandai's and I've gotten them autographed to G Fest over the years. Um I've got my M one Nakajima figure signed by uh Haru Nakajima a few years ago. So, you know, it's it's a preference. It's a personal preference. Yeah, I have some stuff signed, but I will say that the downside to doing that is some of the the, the markers can they don't always stick very well. And no. uh so the the, the 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 marker like rubbing off is can be kind of like I have a Giga Brain, which is my favorite uh, sixty five figure that was signed by Nakajima, and uh, the autograph itself is still present. But if I take my thumb and I I, I rub it a tiny bit, it starts to, to flake off pretty easily. Yeah, I mean stuff like that. I mean if you can, I always try to say get like a little case for it or something, you know, and, and always again be mindful of where you locate it. Don't put it near a vent and. and you know, try to put it in something controlled, you know, just because that, that is the problem with stuff like that. I, I'll usually get like a header card signed, but I'll leave the figure in the in the bag or something like that, you know, but I've gotten some other figures signed on, on the actual item itself. But uh, I'm not always crazy about it personally, but, you know, sometimes you, you just got to do it. If the feeling is right and you're in that zone and, and you got it, go for it, you know? Yeah, one of the coolest things I did was I got, when I was at Fandom Fest and they had... Um, uh, ben Furuya, they had uh, got uh, Kitagawa, Yoshida, and Nakajimo there. I got one of the whiteboards signed oh, by all of them. Cool. Yeah, and and I have uh, and I actually had Nishikawa draw draw um, like the Godzilla like Godzilla heads for like the my favorite suit for each actor, and then Ultraman. And then they all signed that too, so that was pretty. Th- that's something that I don't really have to worry about because I have that framed on my wall. Sure, and it, what's interesting too is I find that when people bring toys or, or different uh, memorabilia, like it, the guests get such a kick out of it. And I mean, again, I, I, you know, just, just for, as a fan, you know, you bring it up and they, they get so excited and, and, you know, they want to see what it is and, you know, they want to hear your story about getting the item. And, you know, again, I, I think uh, Tim Bean does a, does a fantastic job with, uh, with the guests and, and, and everything. And it's going to be exciting this year to have Mr. Takarada back and, Megumi Adaka and Keiza Murase, who I'm very excited to, to meet for the first time. Well, not to be a buzzkill, but G-Fest just announced that Mr. Takarada will not be attending as he undergoes surgery. 
I'm literally oh, no. reading it as we're talking. Really? Oh, no. I didn't hear yeah. about that. Breaking yeah. news, everyone. Breaking because uh, obviously Takarada was the one I was kind of looking forward to meeting probably the most because he's Monster Zero is my favorite Godzilla film so I have a sentimental value there but yeah I hope he uh, we definitely wish him well I mean that's oh geez yeah absolutely I mean I'm hoping he's uh, he's okay I mean because he's such a he's a wonderful gracious guy and I mean uh, his family is also just super sweet too I mean Tetsu is a, is a great guy and everything so oh, wow yeah, I didn't. I didn't know about that. Wow. No, literally, as it happened in the past, like they posted about it in the past four minutes. So. Well, thanks, man. Yes. <laughs> I guess I, is that how we're gonna go out? <laughs> no, I, I think. I, well, no matter what, look, I, these guests are are legendary, and you know, again, your health always got to come first. But uh, they'll just be there to uh, to come back again. And you know, again, we we just gotta. Give them all of our, our, our love and support. And, and, and no matter what happens, G-Fest is going to be a, a fantastic show. And it's going to be a great time had by all. And I'm, for me, it's, it's the first time in a long time I'm like, I've gotten to the point. I'm like, all right, you know what? As soon as you can get bogged down by the logistics of, of planning things, whether you're doing things, et cetera, at these shows. But like, I'm like, you know what? I'm going into G-Fest this year saying, I'm just going to have a good time. It's just going to be fun. And again, you got the table. So, you know, you'll, you'll, it'll be work but it's fun work you know because again you're, you're with your your friends and and you know just to give a, a personal shout out to the people that have put up with me the last few years helping me out with with the table um i can't thank my crew enough because again i you know loading in setting up it, it's not easy it's it's not a one-man operation it's not a one-person uh show so you know a big thank you in advance to you know, abel alfonso alex rushdie chris canale george taylor kenny knapper kent enfield uh Mark Williamson, Nick Pauling, everybody that that kind of helps me. It's 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 really it makes this setting up this this portion of the show. It makes it really really easy. And and again, uh, people like Billy Dubose and, and and Scrooge Jones that have been helped me the last few weeks. It's just like I, I I appreciate it in advance. And again, just just having having a support there to to help with the table. Again, it just makes things kind of flow seamlessly. And and it's it's a great uh, it's a great thing. I'm definitely looking forward to G-Fest. I have a ton of friends who I've been, you know, online acquaintances because of Godzilla for several years, but they're going to make out, make it out to their first G-Fest. So I haven't actually met a few of them and uh, really looking forward to that actually as well. So G-Fest should be a lot of fun. Absolutely. And again, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, getting a chance to catch I know last year we didn't get a chance too much to catch up. So uh, this year, definitely uh, looking forward to hanging out with all both you guys. Yeah, man, it's going to be going to be a lot of fun, but thanks for, joining us today and, and kind of giving us the lowdown and uh, I'm going to see you in a couple weeks. All right. And looking forward to it. Thank you guys. Yeah, no problem. Thank you.